Celebrating the work of an actor gone way too soon. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we're from madwolf.com. And from that song, you got to think of Chet. <laughs> what a D-bag, but so well played as so many of his characters were by Bill Paxton. What a shock. February 25th, I think it was, just a few weeks ago uh, that he passed away at the age of 61. Uh, just, man, because he's one of those guys that, okay, he wasn't a superstar, but he's one of those guys that always did good work and everybody liked him. Yeah. He was so solid in every way and he seemed like a good dude. Anytime you saw him on a show or, you know, and it heard any story, he seemed like such a good dude. So it's one of those instances where you're like, oh man. Yeah. You know, and uh, so we want to celebrate uh, some of his best work in the horror genre and maybe on the borderline of horror <laughs> genre. But first we want to say thanks as always to the great crowd that came out last time for our latest Fright Club live taping as we celebrated the homage horror. That was a lot of fun and we got some good feedback. We did and uh, I want to. we want to say hey to the B-Movie Bros. B-Movie Bros. They have a podcast and actually our friend uh, Phantom Dark Dave is often on that podcast and they liked the uh, homage horror list. They actually had a couple couple they would have thrown in there. Yeah. Uh, Shaun of the Dead Ooh. and Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. By the way, Shaun of the Dead love it. Just heard just read that they were working on another film together, uh, Nick Frost and Simon, um, Pegg. And Simon Pegg. So uh, hopefully. But yeah, I love to hear from the B-Movie bros, and that only makes me think that sometime in the future there should be a B-Movie bro down. <laughs> I don't know how that might work, but I just love the word bro down after that <laughs> South Park episode. So no, those are good. I, I love Shaun of the Dead, and you're probably more of a fan of Dead Alive. I do love that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's an excellent use of lawnmower. <laughs> it's my favorite lawnmower scene. Is that a, is that a category for a future <laughs> you podcast? You know what? You know what? Lawn Wheels are churning. And and yard implements. Oh yeah, we definitely could do like yeah, <laughs> yes, gardening tools. Yes, yeah. actually, I just thought about seven right now. Nice. So that might be one. That's how this works. It it's, does. It's it is really how this works. Well, we can't. We have to also mention our old friend Knackmack. Knackmack. Yeah, he also he enjoyed it, but he was particularly happy that we're going to do today. So he was really happy about Bill yeah. Paxton, even the. He even went so far as to recommend, and you know how seriously I take, no, I'm just kidding. He's pretty close. <laughs> ah. His list was pretty close Wait, to mine. I know this is a podcast, but you needed to see her face <laughs> when she said that. You know how seriously I take it with a total look of <laughs> condescension. Knack Mac. No. Just so you know. No. His, his list was really, really close to ours. He did have, he had Terminator in there. I think we can all agree. Terminator, first of all, awesome film. And he's great as the punk. Oh my God, he's so great. But so it's good. by no means a horror movie. So right. we, I can't. We can't you, put you it can't. in there. Yeah, not to say that it wasn't, that we don't love it. We do. But yeah, we just can't, just can't go there. But he had, he had a bunch on his list here, some that I have not seen. Yeah, he had a ton. He did a ton of horror movies. Well, he just did a ton of movies. Um, and, he, you know, he was the perfect guy for horror movies, really. I mean, he, you know, and he made it, uh, most of them were bad. The Colony, Impulse, Future Shock, Club Dread. He's kind of fun, kind of funny. He's kind of funny. It was mostly, it's terrible. Deadly Lessons. Wow. Oh, my God. That's that just was, an awful title That right was there. a basement dweller right there. Mortuary. <laughs> that was bad. There's one, I don't know that you would call, you really wouldn't call it a horror movie, but The Last Supper, that was, that was fun. He's in that. That was that was a you know it was a thriller more, but it was a fun one. But he made he made so many, um, yeah. and even though a lot of them are bad, in fact, a couple on this list are not especially good. They're just more fun than they are good. Right. He's always interesting in them, no matter what. At the bottom of our list here, there's some there's some questionable stuff. But we <laughs> had we had to make the list, you know. And then once we get to the top, as you might 
imagine there's some good stuff. But before we get to that, as we mentioned a little bit in uh, the last podcast where we did live from the Gateway Film Center with a great crowd as always, um, we really want to get everybody excited and, and please you know plan to come out if you possibly can for the next edition of Fright Club Live because as we said, it is going to be our 100th podcast. Woo-hoo! That's crazy, man. So we want to make it fun. So we're working on some great prizes. We're working on some some fun events, and we have a great movie, a great movie to show, and hopefully some good conversation. Yeah, we are what we are. So the uh, Spanish language original, although the American remake is also great, but it is. the Spanish language original is really a masterpiece, and we're super excited to get to watch that on the big screen, and we're going to talk about rituals in horror movies. Mm-hmm. So you know <laughs> there's got to be some freaked out rituals. Yeah. Uh, so that, that should be fun. So please, if you're in the... Central Ohio area, please, uh, we'd love to see you, especially for this one. Not only a great movie, but the big event of our 100th podcast, and it's going to be April the 12th, Yep, right? Because we're always the second Wednesday of the month, this month or next month. That falls on April the 12th. And uh, we show up first, we have a happy hour, maybe a little extended happy hour this time for the festivities, and uh, hopefully have some great prizes to give away working on that and lots of other fun stuff. And of course, then we'll record that podcast. So uh, yeah, if you can make it, Gateway Film Center, right there, High Street in the heart of Ohio State University, always a blast, and uh, we look forward to that. So, celebrating Bill Paxton, and one of the things that popped up right after he passed, somebody, one of my Facebook friends put it on the feed, and I'm sure a lot of other people did too. It's amazing, but when Bill Paxton was eight years old, he was actually in the crowd when JFK gave his final speech on November 22nd, 1963. Wow. And there's that photo. You saw it. Mm-hmm. That photo that was going around. And he he shared pictures taken of himself sitting on the shoulders of an onlooker who offered to help get him a better view of the president. And wow. I saw one of Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. And, uh, you know, he was the only other actor, along with Lance Hendrickson, yeah. to have been killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a predator on screen. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. It is. It's awesome. That is very, very cool. And he was also... Killed by his own son in one of the movies we're going to talk about here. Well, another interesting fact, he had, when he was in seventh grade, he had rheumatic fever. And it kept him hospitalized for a month, bedridden for four months. And he had to take regular doses of penicillin up until the time he was a young man. Mm. Uh, Kind of a rough start there. But, you know, such a, as we said, such a, a great career in movies that, even if they weren't the best movies, they were well loved. Take a movie like Twister, you know, at, right after his death. You may have seen this, too, on on social media. Storm chasers across the country united in forming his initials BP using their GPS coordinates. Wow. In in tribute to that well-loved character from the movie Twisters. Yeah. So he was just one of those guys that inspired that love. Yeah. Because Twister is not the greatest movie. Well, I know. But a lot of people have, you know, as you might think, Storm chasers, Mm -hmm. obviously, are going to have a lot of love for it. And he just always, he just was always good in whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we, unfortunately... This subject came up because of his passing, but once once he did, he thought, yeah, we got to salute his work somehow. So uh, we start with yeah, a couple that, okay, are a little questionable, but uh, <laughs> this is one that we've talked about before. This one we talked about back with senior gay correspondent John Tice. Yes, right? we did. That's been a while. It has been. That's been, been a while. Yeah, it's been well over a year. But I knew when I was digging up the trailer for this that we had talked about it before, and it's from 1982. An orphan teenager finds himself being dominated by his aunt, who's hell-bent on keeping him with her at all costs. Night warning. So shocking. So terrifying. So powerful. Night warning has been named best horror film of the year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. 
A chilling tale of a young boy and girl, innocent victims, now targets of a frenzied obsession with murder. See the award-winning Night Warning. This one just one of the many in the canon of master thespian Jimmy McNichol. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's not a great movie, but you know what? It is a fascinating watch, and and the the podcast that it was on originally is gay themes and horror, and um, and this also eventually we're going to do an incest podcast, and this is likely to me. Although you'd be shocked how many how many horror films fill that. That, oh, I, uh, I don't think I would be niche, right? <laughs> Probably not. But so the the movie is McNichol plays a basketball player, and he's orphaned, and he lives with his aunt, who is unreasonably attached to him, and and it's just really fascinating because he, he's a basketball player, and this is where Bill Paxton comes into the picture. He's like a rival basketball player. He's a dick, really, and uh, and Chet. he. <laughs> and he thinks that Jimmy McNichol's character is gay, and so does the basket. No, the basketball coach is the only person who doesn't think Jimmy McNichol's character is gay because he himself is gay. The basketball coach is gay, and um, for 1982, the way that they handle this is just excellent. You know, it's uh, it, and it's really a kind of a minor thread in the film because the main thing about the film is what's the matter with his aunt. It is what makes this movie so fascinating. Um, and Paxton, he doesn't have a, a lot of screen time, and he plays a very Bill Paxton character. He just plays a, an asshole, a basketball player. And but he's, it's just so funny. It's like he's so him so often, and and where I think a lot of people it would be a really throwaway role, you can't help but notice him. Right. Well, here's my favorite tidbit about this movie: Jan Dubont, the cinematographer on. Die Hard, the greatest movie of all time, <laughs> and then of course went on to direct uh, Speed mm-hmm. and Twister. Mm-hmm. He worked for one week as the cor- as the uh, cinematographer for this movie. He shot the decapitation scene. Okay, that's all he shot. Wow, <laughs> wow. Well, it's funny. The director, right, William Asher, primarily known for all of the beach blanket bingo movies. He made a ton of those movies. So it's it's, and I think you know that might be part of the reason that the movie is so off kilter. Yeah. But again, I think if it had been it had been sort of filmed in any other way, it would have been bland, and you wouldn't have been interested in it. It's just so odd and and one of the other things that is fascinating about it is the way that the camera ogles jimmy mcnichol it it's it really it feels like a film made for a gay audience which Uh in itself is just sort of fascinating yeah um well i remember talking about that very Mm -hmm. aspect uh when we had the when we did the gay themes in horror podcast but daryl hannah and ali sheedy both auditioned oh julia duffy must have gotten the role she did Yeah. yeah for the role of of julia and this was somehow, it was nominated, as it says in the trailer, it was somehow nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Horror Movie of 1982 by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Which is, you know what, one of the things I find fascinating about that is that no one saw this movie. No one <laughs> saw this movie. And actually, it's kind of hard to get now. Night Warning from 1982, number five in our Bill Paxton countdown. Uh, moving up to 1990, and this one, when I first saw it, it, it threw me because you're going to recognize the title. It's uh, in a showdown of man versus machine. Martin plunges into a chaotic nightmare trying to save his mind from the megalomaniacal corporation in Brain Dead. Even the greatest discoveries. You have a special brain, a very special brain. Have a price. You need those numbers. Your life. One in Brain Dead. You said anything about Brain Dead? Who the hell are you? What do you want? 
she could be the doctor. Just give us those numbers, Halsey. I'm not dead yet. Because you're not dead. Let them take you into search. Until you're brain dead. Yeah, this threw me because Brain Dead, we've also talked about as the alternate title of Dead Alive. Right, the Peter Jackson movie that we just mentioned a minute ago. This is not that. (laughs) (laughs) No, because this one tempted fate and the really opening up of a black hole by casting both Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. I know. It's a crazy notion. Um, and it's it's a funny idea, too. And then, and then the third wheel is is Bud Court. And I'm happy to see Bud Court oh, in anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's almost Udo Kier-like in that he's a weirdo no matter what the role. Um, and uh, and he's great in this. And, and, uh, and again, Paxton plays like a prick, right? He plays the, <laughs> the, the, the corporate asshole weasel who is uh, trying to, what they need to do is get this information out of Bud Court's brain. And if they can't, then they basically need to kill him. And so he convinces Bill Pullman's character, who is a, a brain researcher, brain surgeon, um, to to help him to do this. And 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 if you've ever seen the you know the the poster for this movie, it's like a face spread over. Yeah. It. yeah. And, yeah. And, and and that's what Bill Pullman's character works with are are these brains and these faces, and he's trying to sort of create life, and he's trying to play God, you know, and, but, and then the movie turns into one of the many, you know, if you go into sort of this mental hospital sort of situation, then it's easy for you to become the mental patient against your will, or then the whole movie can go, or are you mad the whole time? And so that's kind of the the turn that it takes. Um, And it's not a brilliant movie and it's not particularly well made, but it is interesting uh, primarily because of the casting actually. And uh, Bill Paxton and Bull Pullman who play sort of besties, which is in itself just a funny idea. Yeah. They're so much better than the film is that they really elevate the entire project. Well, and you know, if it ever gets remade, it needs to star Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair. But this will shock you. This movie was shot in 20 days. <laughs> uh, and you'll love this. Dr. Martin mentions that he went to Muscatonic University, the college where reanimated yes, took it is. place. Yes, it is. That's right. I know you love that stuff. <laughs> It's kind of perfect, really, too. I mean, that's that's yeah, working it's, it's on a really great inside joke. Yeah, and the fact that he's working on body parts, yeah. I guess you'd say, yeah. especially with that with that face, yeah. pulled across the apparatus. Right, there. another yeah. sort of Frankenstein doctor, another yeah. doctor playing God. Yeah, very much so. So that's number four, Brain Dead, not Dead Alive, uh, from nineteen ninety. Now we get into the good stuff. Uh, moving up to number three on our list of our favorite. Bill Paxton horror films from 1987. A small town farmer's son reluctantly joins a traveling group of vampires after he is turned by a beautiful drifter in near dark. You might as well just kill me then, too. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We give him a week, see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. Pray for daylight. So this was the second feature directed by Catherine Bigelow, mm-hmm. who went on to win uh, Best Director for The Hurt Locker years right. later. But this was her second feature. And she stole a lot of the cast from her friend, at the time husband, uh, James Cameron. Right. Were, they, were they married at the time? I, I think, think it was they were. Future. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, you're right. They st- stole a lot of the cast. 
Yeah. So uh, and not just Bill Paxton, but also Lance Henriksen and Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah. Vasquez. Vasquez. She's great. She shows up in so many camera. Like she was in the Titanic. She mm-hmm. was in Titanic. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's in Terminator 2. Yeah. In Terminator 2. And she's changes so much yeah, she's in a every role. She, she really, really is. is. She really yeah. is. Yeah, she really is. And uh, and uh, in this one, she and Lance Henriksen are leaders of this uh, sort of rogue band of vampires. You know, it's a little bit of a Western kind of an idea. Bill Paxton, this is one of my favorite Bill Paxton roles. He's just unhinged and excellent in this entire movie. And, and there's a, a barroom brawl in this film that is maybe my all-time favorite barroom brawl in yeah. any movie, certainly in any horror movie. It didn't get a lot of eyeballs when it came out in 87, probably because the Lost Boys also came out in yes. 87 and it was an easier sell, right? Yeah. Um, but And girl, teenage girls like you were swooning over the Lost Boys. Yeah, it's true. I was. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie to you. I saw the Lost <laughs> Boys. Um, yeah, but but this Near Dark is a, is, is a much better film. Yeah. And actually the fact that Catherine Bigelow was still you know, inexperienced as a, as a director, the producer told her that if she couldn't handle it or didn't know what she was doing after about a week, she would be replaced. Wow. Yeah, yikes. Well, yeah. obviously, she kept the job. But one of the funny things that happened, the cast and crew during the filming, they had to deal with a train. There was a train that would stop at the same intersection every night. So one night, Bill Paxton, in full unhinged makeup with half of his face missing, <laughs> ran up to one of the train workers and saying, Hey, man, there's been an accident. <laughs> <laughs> just freaking everybody out, which is awesome. That is awesome. I love that story. But yeah, this one got, it was too bad it got as ignored mm-hmm. as it did. Mm-hmm. Because now when people, especially when more people got to uh, got noticed about Catherine Bigelow as a director, because years later she had Blue Steel, which got her some, uh, which got her some attention, mm-hmm. but uh, went back and found this one. And it right. was almost like, oh, she directed that. Yeah. Because it became kind of like, had some, some cult following. Oh, definitely. And she also co-wrote it uh, with Eric Redd, who wrote The Hitcher, right. among other things. And, um, and I actually, I think that he wrote Blue Steel. So they worked together for a while. And uh, it's, it's a really well-written Film. There are a couple of things. I don't like the character Homer. There's like a, you know, like a 12 year old boy vampire. I, I, I hate that. <laughs> I hate his character. Um, but, you know, other than that uh, and, and Jenny Wright, which you brought up earlier, Jenny yeah. Wright is the, you know, lonesome, languid female vampire who seduces Adrian Pazdar um, into joining the group. And uh, from I love her from the wall. Right. right. She plays the wall. Yeah. And she had so many roles. And then according to IMDb, she just quit the business. Yeah. But she has a, had a lot of roles, a very recognizable face mm-hmm. um, if you didn't know her name. But yeah, she's definitely in the, one of the stars of this movie as well. But uh, one another thing you'll love, speaking of the young boy, when Caleb lets the young cowboy from the bar get away, you mm-hmm. can see you can see a billboard in the background and on in spray paint. It says Bill plus Louise, and Bill Paxton was married to Louise Newberry. Oh. So that's a, yeah. So that was a nice little, nice little tidbit. Yeah, you can see in the background there of Near Dark. But yeah, I think it's one of those movies that got maybe started getting its its just due as the years went on because it was so overshadowed by the success of the Lost Boys. Uh, yeah, it absolutely was. But the other thing is that a lot of the you know the not just Bill Paxton but also Lance Henriksen, who obviously he his following is more. Uh, horror based mm-hmm. or at least you know fantasy sci-fi horror based but today if you were to say you know a rogue group of vampires headed by lance hendrickson and an unhinged bill paxton i mean who's not in for that exactly. it's, it's brilliant yeah and and apparently both Catherine bigelow and the co-writer 
they really wanted to make a Western. But at the time, Westerns were just dead in the water, almost non-existent. So it was recommended that they mix up genres and horror was in more vogue at the time as it almost always is so mm-hmm. they they kind of approached it as a horror western yeah. which you can definitely oh, see absolutely you can definitely see it and it's you know and it's filmed it looks it, it, the filming is just better than certainly in your average low budget indie horror movie you know and and they just really capture that sort of you know lonesome planes kind of feel about things and it, it just looks great near dark our number three on our list of Bill Paxton horror movies from 1987. And at number two is one, I don't know if we've talked about it in full before, we've mentioned it in passing a few times. I don't know if it's ever made a list, but boy, it's one that we love. It's actually our December Fright Club Live. Nice segue. Mm -hmm. Well done. Uh, It's from 2001. A man confesses to an FBI agent his family's story of how his religious fanatic father's visions led to a series of murders to destroy supposed demons directed by Bill Paxton, frailty. They were raised to obey their father. Go do some homework. To love him, to trust him. Night, boys, sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until. Wake up, I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. You're crazy! Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you? And you know where Bill Paxton began his directing debut? Why no? Please tell me. <laughs> In the video for Fish Heads. I know you love that song. I love it so much. <laughs> Barnes and Barnes, the <laughs> Dr. Demento favorite that got a lot of airplay. I remember seeing that video on, oh, on MTV. MTV. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, and he directed that. That's that is awesome. Made, and you know what's funny? As much success as he had with Frailty, I'm not talking about box office success, but as well-received as it was, he didn't really do much else no, he did as one, a director. He did one other feature, um, The Greatest Game Ever Played, a golf movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, just in like 2005. Which, but but this movie definitely shows some talent. Yeah, it does. Some, it really some does. Instinct as a director, it's it's very well done. And and I remember at the time that we we both saw it, just thinking it was really that the story is is told at a nice pace and and pulls the rug out from under you mm-hmm. at just the right time mm-hmm. and and dealing with really a subject that has almost gotten more timely since then. Yeah, and I think one of the things that it does incredibly well is you know horror movies often tread religious ground but they almost always take you in one direction and this one subverts your expectations in a way that is just brilliant but the other thing it does really well and that i think this i think you can you can look to paxton for having really handled this it creates such a great 1970s nostalgic tone and quality uh, when they when they flash back to so it's Matthew McConaughey as, as an adult telling the story of his childhood and and so the bulk of the film is during the childhood and it's just so spot on and also despite the graphic horror nature really very sweet yeah, and is. and emotionally pulling it is and you mentioned the the time frame and that little those little details went right down to the beer can he used the same beer can for the entire filming of the movie because they could only find one Ham's beer can 
like that from 1975. And if your dad drank Ham's beer in the 70s, as mine did, you know that that was right on. <laughs> it was right on. It was opened off camera and a sound effect added for popping its top, but they just had to use the same beer can. They could only find one. But you're right. The time stamp feels very real, mm-hmm. and there is as much of an of a underlying impending menace. Mm-hmm. There is a sweetness to it. There because, is. you know, the boys, especially the older boy, you know, wants to believe in his father, and then he slowly gets around to realizing what's going on. Right. And if you're not familiar with the story, right, so Bill Paxton is a, a good guy. He's a nice man, and he's a good father, and he has a vision one night that an angel has brought him uh, clarity. He can see demons, and to everybody else, they just look like real people, but he can see that they're demons. Um, and, and you know, there are, he has two sons, and one is old enough to be skeptical, and the younger is not, just believes in what his father has to say. And it's really incredibly well told and and. It's just fascinating the way the family dynamic plays out. Yeah, and it's I guess it's loosely based on the case of an American serial killer named Joseph Callinger, who murdered three people and tortured four families. Uh, this was during this was with his 13-year-old son between 1974 and 1975 in New Jersey, and he pleaded insanity, claiming that God had told him to kill. So mm-hmm. it's loosely based on that. But as with any as as effective as any story is, it still has to be told well, it and does. and that's what Paxton as a director really does well. And the other thing he does, this this character that he plays is unlike really the bulk of the roles that we've seen him in, especially yeah. in the genre. And it's, you know, I, I love the character in Near Dark. I think it's a great character. I think that that his performance in Frailty might be his strongest performance. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And, and it does stand out because it is unlike mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm. You know, a certain type of role comes to mind. You know, you think of Chet and mm-hmm. you think of those types of characters, but I think you're right. And it's a, a really, really well-directed movie. And one of the little details uh, that people notice is the name on the axe, Otis. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that was in the uh, commentary on the DVD version. They say that that was Bill Paxton's idea to mark it as, uh, so the audience would know it was an heirloom passed from father to son. Mm. Like it stayed in the family. Sure. Reinforced those family ties mm-hmm. of what they were doing. So, but see, just details like that. Exactly. They really go to show his, exactly. his his incredible competence as a director. I'm sorry he didn't direct more films. I am too. Because anybody that is as interested in films as we are, mm-hmm. and as probably you are if you're listening to this podcast, you know that very, very little, if anything, that makes it into a film is an accident. Right. Directors have these choices all over the place. Now, they may come to them by committee, but still, it's not an accident. And little things like that can, can even subliminally add a lot to the, the feeling you get from a movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm, it's too bad he didn't direct more because he clearly had a talent for it. And I think you're right, too. Probably one of, if not the best acting performance uh, from Bill Paxton in Frailty. 2001, and that's our number two. And so you know what has to be number one, and it's so good that we kind of bent the rules because every time we've mentioned this movie on the podcast, we've said that we really don't consider it a horror movie, but you got to throw that out for this countdown. And, of course, from 1986, Aliens. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people. Movement. Talk to me, Hudson. Uh, I got signals. I got readings in front and behind. There's nothing back here. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving and it ain't us. Get them out of there. 
feel pretty shit now, man. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. No doubt his most iconic character, <laughs> and that was his most iconic line. If you're going to pick one thing that added to pop culture, I mm -hmm. mean, think about how an actor can go through their entire life without really adding a, a thing like that to this the pop culture lexicon, and apparently it was just an ad lib from him, and it's perfect. Game over, man. Oh yeah. We're I mean, how many times do we say? Right. It? We're toast. We're toast. <laughs> we, yeah. It's it's perfect because he's he brought that type of you know smart ass attitude to mm -hmm. that role of Hudson, mm -hmm. and it makes him so memorable in this cast. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's uh, you know he's a future marine, futuristic marine, but he's also a bit of a coward, and he's he's just a loudmouth, and he's he's hilarious, and and it, you know the film is great. The film is it's a brilliant film, but oh. but he he's the one who brings any levity which it needs. You know you need that in a oh, yeah. movie that heavy. Um, and, and you know and and just to defend ourselves, we we've never included we have included Alien. In countdowns before, but not aliens, because as as much as we love it, it's where Alien is a horror film, sci-fi horror. This is an action film action and a brilliant, thriller. brilliant one, one of, of the all-time best, one of the best. But, but you know, it is spooky enough. It's a creature feature. There, yeah. there are monsters. Yeah. Um. But you, you but know? yeah, it's it's such it's such an incredible film in and the most memorable film really in his entire career that we had to have it. And you know what? If you want to come to the next Fright Club Live and have a beer with us and argue that it is a horror movie, I will be happy, <laughs> we will be happy to have that conversation. <laughs> we'll keep it friendly. <laughs> George will keep it friendly. No, I'll no, keep it friendly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it, we're not going to get all hot and bothered about it because it's a great, great movie. It and is. it gives us a chance to really talk about it more, which we haven't done. But one of the interesting things, of course, he's back with uh, Lance Henriksen. Mm -hmm. In this movie. And the famous, another very famous scene oh, is sure, the, kni the, knife. the knife scene. And it was not in the original shooting script. And according to Lance Henriksen, the adding of Hudson's hand to the knife trick was discussed with almost everyone except Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect. Is. Because the you know the look on his face. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's so many I iconic scenes in this movie. And it's... It's so well done, and his. You're right. His character adds a bit of levity. It does to the whole thing. Well, it, I mean, it adds so much to this movie. He's the you know, aside from Ripley, who's obviously uh, you know this the biggest badass of all time. Oh yeah. You know, he's the most memorable character, and and in somebody else's hands, he could have been a fairly throwaway character, just any one of the military unit that's eventually going to die in a mm -hmm. in a monster movie, and he's not. You know, he's the most memorable of of that group of people, and um and. He makes the movie more fun. Part of that in includes throwing around F-bombs all over the place. Uh, and of the, I think this count is right, of the 25 F-bombs in the movie, 18 of them are spoken <laughs> by Hudson, Bill Paxton, so much so that he apparently kept apologizing to Newt, uh, uh, Carrie, Carrie Henn, the young girl that played Newt, and she later grew up. Of course, she's now a fourth grade teacher, I think, but she <laughs> said she just thought it was funny. <laughs> But it just goes back to your, you know, our our impression that he's just a good dude. He's, yeah, he definitely seemed like a good dude. And uh, there's so much, uh, you know, we're talking mainly about Bill Paxton here, but there's so many things to say about this movie that yeah. make it so good. Yeah, uh, It really upped the ante in a different way from Aliens, because I'm um, from the original Alien, because you're right. That is more of a basic horror mm -hmm, film, mm -hmm. where this one is a breakneck thriller. Yeah. Even down to the fact that at the end, when she sets the timer, mm -hmm. it's exact, it's time, it's in real time. Mm -hmm. 
little little things like that oh, yeah. just get your heart racing mm-hmm. that you know the time is going to run out before the before the uh, ship explodes but it's one of the things I'll be honest with you one of the things that has me a little nervous about this alien covenant right. is you're seeing so much CGI of, yeah so much of the alien CGI alien I mean Sometimes, and you bring this up a lot about um, Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. you look back on films from years ago and think, you know what? It was better then. Mm-hmm. As much wizardry wizardry as they can do now, if it worked with a guy in a suit for these two movies, then I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree 100%. And you don't always have to show it more to be to be effective. Uh, sometimes it works out. The new Kong, they show, they show yeah. him all the damn time, and, yeah. and he looks pretty good. He does look pretty good. Um, so it can be done, but um, at least in the early, you know, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't right. want to go out on a limb too much, but at least those early uh, trailers, have, trailers me nervous. have me a little mm-hmm. bit nervous. Mm-hmm. But back to this one. It's well paced. It's well acted. The script, I guess, had to be, it had to be this good to get Sigourney Weaver to sign on. She wow. was pretty much, you know, dragging her feet, but, you know, read the script and oh yeah, mm-hmm. if just for the fact that she gets to get into that mechanism and say, <laughs> stay away from her, you bitch. Oh my God. So awesome. great. So great. That fight with with her and that and the queen and the queen and the loader is fantastic. And another great little little thing that I didn't know was the guy that plays asses and elbows. People, <laughs> he, uh, Al Matthews, he uh, was in real life the first African American Marine to be promoted to the rank of sergeant in the field during Vietnam. Wow! So the guy that was you know he 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 was the real deal. So, of course, uh, Jeanette Goldstein is in this as well. She's Vasquez, as we said. And another one of my, and it's early, it's early in Bill Paxton uh, establishing character, you know, and she's doing these pull-ups and he says, Vasquez, does anybody ever mistake you for a man? And she says, no, do you? Which is just the best, you know? (laughs) That is. And it's nice because it, it establishes their relationship. And then when, you know, the shit hits the Mm -hmm. fan and you can tell they close ranks and they're, you know, it's just good natured ribbon. Yeah, that was funny. But uh, I I know you'll like this too, the, the mechanism Used to make the face huggers, which are great. Mm-hmm. Used to make them thrash about in the in the tubes in the science lab. They came from one of the flying piranhas from <gasps> James Cameron's. Oh my God, piranha the spa- two, they're spawning! Uh huh. Oh knew, my God, I knew you would love that. It took like nine people to make the face hugger work. One person for each leg and one for the tail. Man, it was so well designed. Those things were so scary. Yeah, yes. You know, so much so that now all you have to do, even in the new trailer for uh, Alien Covenant, all you have to do is see one of those eggs, eggs start open to open, up, yeah. And it just, yeah. The design of those things was perfect, but I know you would love that they came from uh, the spawning. <laughs> I'm glad something good came from the spawning. Also starring Lance Henriksen, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, James Cameron was one of those, is one of those directors that uses the same people uses again. The same, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. of course, uh, and Bill Paxton showed up in Titanic and, and, and many others. So I guess that makes sense. You know, if you're mm-hmm. happy with somebody's work, mm-hmm. they keep keep popping up. So Aliens from 1986 for this podcast, we're calling it a horror movie. That's right. But after this, not so much. <laughs> that is number one in our Bill Paxton countdown. Gone way too soon. Apparently he did uh, film, before he passed, he filmed all the episodes of the, um, he was did the, the TV series, version of Training Day, which mm-hmm. is out now. We've never seen it, no. but I guess there's many episodes uh, yet to come that he finished filming. And as far as any movies in the can, I don't know. No. Uh, there may be some, but uh, man, man, he is going to be mixed. So, uh, missed. A great body of work, not only in the horror genre, no. but that's uh, that's what we love to talk about. So let us know if we miss any. Uh, keep the conversation going. Just any little, any, uh, little 
remembrances about uh, Bill Paxton. We'd love to hear him. Uh, Mad Wolf on Twitter, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. That's the best way to go. Uh, and we keep going back and forth, have a lot of fun with that. You can always find us on Facebook as well. We're Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and some other fun, including Hope's Take right now on Doing Lent, <laughs> which is kind of funny. You can find that uh, all on MadWolf.com. So plenty of ways to uh, get in touch. So again, the next Fright Club live on April 12th, we're going to show we are what we are. That's right. And uh, sorry, <laughs> I was thinking we are the flesh, which we're not showing. We oh, might you, someday, but we are not. One other thing, and I just brought this up to you last night, uh, going back to Bill Paxton, that I didn't know. He is in a tiny little part in Pat Benatar's video for Shadows of the Night. Remember that video? <laughs> Look that up. It was based around a World War II fighting Nazis theme, but there's a couple of scenes where they show this older Nazi, and he's got three young brown shirts behind him, and one of them is Bill Paxton. <laughs> Go look it up. So, okay, back to our normal programming. So the other, only other thing I wanted to say is in between now and the big 100th episode, we are going to do a podcast on horror films based around social anxieties, and that's a big, that's a big, that's most of them. Um, and, but we're going to talk about the most influential and best. Yeah, and really brought to the forefront right now because of the success of Get Out, yeah. which we both love so much. So I know we'll be talking about that. So if you have ideas about that, please let us know. Lots of reasons to get in touch. We love it, and we hope to see you once again April 12th for Fright Club Live and the 100th podcast. So uh, make it if you can. We look forward to it. Until then, I am George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. And stay weird. Sandwich served in a dirty ashtray. <laughs>